Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Rick Stroud with Joey Knight here at Raymond James Stadium as we do this podcast where the Bucks survived, Joey. I mean, basically, uh, they had this game pretty much wrapped up. It was 21 to nothing at the end of the first half. They kind of let off the accelerator a little bit. They let the Atlanta Falcons crawl back into it to the point where they needed a first down. And it was getting a little dark and, uh, and ugly there. But with about three minutes to go, this is the call everybody's going to talk about. 303, in fact, Tom Brady is sacked by Grady Jarrett for 10 yards back to the Tampa Bay uh, 43-yard line. And the Bucs are going to have to punt. But Jerome Boger thought differently and very slowly but deliberately reached in his pocket and threw the flag for roughing the passer. And I have to tell you that I think a lot of people that will, that will run this play over and over again will say, how is that roughing the passer? But we know that the league is trying to protect quarterbacks. And in particular, does, does any other quarterback in that situation get this call besides Tom Brady? That's a great rhetorical question. And do you know why this is a controversial call, Rick? Because even the Bucks themselves said so. You spoke to Raheem Nunez-Roches, the defensive tackle afterward. He, he, I mean, obviously he's very happy that the call went in the Bucks' favor. They win the game 21-15. to 15, But he questioned the call. Tony Dungy on, on social media had called it a terrible call. And this is something that's going to be talked about, you know, in the, in the aftermath probably for days. What, what are we doing here? It just seems like we're getting closer and closer to touch football. It's kind of funny and kind of ironic. Just last week on his own podcast, Tom Brady was saying, you know, this is what we sign up for. He was talking about the prevalence of concussions and the Tua situation. He was saying, this is what we sign up for. You're going to get hit. Sometimes there are going to be you know, broken arms, broken legs, concussions. It's just part of the game. Uh, and if, we, you know, if you're, we get too far away from it, you know, I'm paraphrasing, he said it, it's going to become touch football ultimately. And that, that kind of scenario played out here today with that with that very questionable call late in the game and you know as a result you have people saying what has this game become it's become quarterback friendly rules have been established to kind of keep the quarterback safer but have we gone a little too far and i think uh what we saw today kind of reinforces that opinion that maybe we've just become a little too quarterback friendly well, and it's interesting you mentioned touch football because that's what the Pro Bowl became, and, and right, you know, rightfully so, they ended that game um, because nobody wanted to tackle anyone, and, and that's an all-star game at the end of the season that doesn't count for anything, and I can understand why players don't want to get hurt, but there was a day when they actually played tackle football at the Pro Bowl. Now it's going to turn into a skills competition, but is that what we're going to start to see here in the regular season? Look, we all know what happened to Tua Tungabaloa a couple weeks ago, right? Especially at Cincinnati, uh, where after he had already had 
what appeared to have been a concussion uh, in a game against Buffalo. Then four days later, he gets thrown to the ground uh, on a sack, and he obviously had some neurological issues and has not played since. And there was a lot of debate and and changing in in policy and all of that. So we get all that. We get that, that the head trauma and all that is a real thing. On this play, I don't know really what else you're supposed to do when you wrap a quarterback up. He literally rolled Brady onto himself, okay, before then ending up on top of him and got up. He didn't throw him down hard. Now, Boger, uh, in a pool report, when uh, he had a chance to talk about it, he basically said that, uh, and I'll I'll quote him here in just a second as I look through my story, Um, he said, what I had was the defender grabbed the quarterback while he was still in the pocket and unnecessarily threw him to the ground is what I was making my decision based on. Well, I mean, th- that's, called a, that's called a tackle. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's tackle football. So for a player to be down, unless you blow the whistle for forward progress uh, or you bear hug him until the cows come home, that play is still alive. So there, there has to be a whistle that stops the play uh, or a player is actually tackled to the ground. And that's what happened with Brady. Um, and you're right. After the game, uh, you know, the, the, sort of the reaction was mixed. I think that... You know, Todd Bowles referenced the Tua uh, Tungavaloa hit. Um, he said he saw another one, a similar call in the Packers-Giants game from London. I'm not sure which one he was talking about per se. Um, but then, you know, at the end of the, of the day, I, I went over to yet Raheem Nunez-Roches, who in a very honest moment said, look, I'm thrilled that it helped us. I'm awesome with it. But he said it's just – and he's a defensive lineman. He says it's just we're splitting hairs now. You're, you're taking away what guys can do. You're making them softer on defense, and you're putting all, the, all this protection around the quarterback. I know they're the franchise, but at some point, we've got to let it be football again. We're not out here trying to brutally hurt them or things of that nature, but they're playing the same game that we're playing. So they should be held to the same standard. And he said, again, it helped them, he says, but you know, as a defensive player, you have to put that in perspective because what if I'm out there doing the same thing and I hurt my team in the same faction? I, I don't know. I, I think that there's always going to be an emphasis in protecting the quarterback. I'm not sure, quite frankly, that Marcus Mariota gets that call if the situation is reversed. I'm not sure. He's a scrambling quarterback. He's a guy that's not, he's not a 23-year-old veteran, the greatest quarterback of all time. Let, let's take it a step further. I'm not sure Baker Mayfield gets that call. I'm not sure Kirk Cousins gets that call. And I, I think that's something that's going to be the subject of great debate coming up here in the next few days, Rick. Was this, was this just Brady? Now, we know he, he gets into the grill of officials like no other. He may, he may be the all-time uh, leader, uh, you know, in just getting in referees' grills. That's who he is. That's a trademark. But he's also made a, a lot of money and, uh, you know, just – created a, a, a large fan base of his own for this league for more than two decades. And I think it's a legitimate question you have to ask yourself. If it was a lesser quarterback, lesser meaning lesser prominence, would this call have been made? And I don't think it would have because, as you mentioned you know, just moments ago at the outset, it was a textbook tackle. We looked at it over and over again. I don't know what the guy could have done any differently. I really don't. I mean, unless you said, like, we're playing flag or two-hand touch, there's really nothing he, he can do. I mean, Brady is still 
in the pocket. He still has the football. Um, and that, that was going to be, you know, what the result was. But obviously Brady, who had, who had sort of lobbied for calls during the game that he didn't get, I frankly thought there were some hits that maybe they were going to drop the flag on that they didn't. And in the end, it wound up helping the Bucks and wound up helping Brady, obviously. Uh, we'll get into the, uh, the, the Bucks game, how they won it, how they let up the gas, uh, I think, in the second half on defense. First, we want to remind you guys um, to check out May Electric Solar. If your electric bill is going up and up like mine and everyone else's is, May Electric Solar is a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. Now, in a field that has all these fly-by-night companies, May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the main difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they'll install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, and uh, that's important. You know exactly who is doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar. At 727-819-2862, you can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, preserve the quality of your life, and that of your appliances through every storm season. May Electrics at 727-819-2862. All right, the Bucks came into this game, Joey, as a team that had not run the football uh, and, and really didn't have many attempts in the last game. They've fallen behind the last couple of games by about two or three scores, and so they've had to sort of abandon the run. But when they did try to run, it wasn't successful really since the Dallas game. And I thought that the approach was sort of different uh, in this one. And Atlanta is not known for its pass rush, and other than what looked to be a sack of Brady, they didn't get him at all. Uh, they hit him a few times, but they didn't get him on the ground except for the, the roughing the passer penalty. So it looked like to me the Bucks were fairly confident that their protection would hold up. And Brady had a big day. Uh, he threw the ball pretty well, 50 attempts. 35 completions, 351 yards. He goes over 300 again or 330 again for the second straight game. One touchdown uh, pass to Leonard Fournette. And when they did run it, uh, it was respectable. It wasn't, it wasn't great, to say the least. You know, 23 rushes uh, for only 69 yards, but they were tough yards. Leonard Fournette, 14 for 56. He averaged four yards a carry. His longest was was 14 yards. He had a one-yard touchdown run as well. Um, And I think that, you know, for the most part, a little bit of improvement on that side of the ball. What they did well was either run it with Lenny or throw it to Lenny. He had a career-high 10 receptions for 83 yards, and there were some big third downs there that he picked up. You know, it's kind of funny, kind of the coincidence of the day. He became the first Bucks tailback to catch at least 10 passes in a game since 2007 when Ernest Graham did it. And who did they recognize on the Jumbotron today? Good old Ernest Graham, the old former Gator. You know, I wrote about this for, for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. It was, it was more checkdowns and touchdowns. It was more just blue-collar than style points. But Lenny kind of had a reemergence today, and good for him. You know, you, you wrote about... Uh, questioning, you know, his workload and whether he could sustain that over an 18-week grind. You wrote about that early in the season after a couple of games, especially after New Orleans when, when they gave him the ball a lot in succession, about 20, 25 carries, and he didn't do a whole heck of a lot with it. And then those images pop up on social media right after the New Orleans game. He's working out. When the plane lands, he goes and works out just to work some of the soreness out. 
And that's week two, and you're saying, oh my goodness, how is this guy going to be able to sustain it? Well, today he looked fresh, uh, not fatigued at all. The, the second play of the game, he bursts off left tackle, gains 14 yards. That's his best run of the day, and finishes with 139 yards from scrimmage. That's his best as a Buccaneer. And Mike Evans made a great point. You know, the Falcons kind of play off the ball, yeah. kind of a soft, I don't know, if you want to say soft zone, I don't know if that's accurate, but the, they play off the ball. So they knew that the running backs were going to get a lot of opportunities. And sure enough, Lenny got targeted 11 times, 10 catches for 83 yards. And again, just to play off of that, Rashad White had his most extensive duty as an offensive player. He had five carries for 14 yards, but he also had three catches for 28 yards. If he can assimilate himself into the offense a little bit more, and be effective and gradually earn Tom Brady's trust, not only as a pass catcher, but a pass protector, that'll ease Lenny's workload and make him a little fresher down the stretch when they'll really need him. And uh, when you're speaking of rookies, Kate Otten, who you wrote about this uh, in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com, both you know, both White and Otten, Otten contributed six catches for 43 yards, 7.2 average, but they were big, they were big plays, um, plays that helped move the change, kept them on schedule in the first half, I thought that was his best game. And they didn't have, you know, their their full complement of tight ends. Uh, obviously, Cameron Brait was out, you know, with a concussion. Um, you know, we we're still haven't seen a lot of Kyle Rudolph uh, in this in this offense, although he was he was active uh, against uh, you know against the Falcons. But slowly but surely. And and even though look Luke Luke Gedicke almost on the first play of the game gives up pressure and, and and Brady is hit and has to unload the ball before he's ready the very first snap he he has trouble in pass protection but slowly but surely we we're gonna see some of these rookies incorporated because they have to be yes. you simply can't survive on just Fournette and we'll talk about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and you know maybe a little bit of Russell Gage, but you can't survive throwing the ball to those guys on every single play. They needed other people besides Fournette and them to step up. And I, I think as time goes on, to me, White is that running back that, that Tom Brady has thrived with. And one thing he said that Brady has heaped praise on White is for his work ethic. He says it's really important to him. He takes great notes. Um, he's a mature guy. He wants to do well. And I think if you show Brady that, he'll start to build trust. And I think that trust started today as much as any game we've seen yet. And I think Buck fans have to come to this realization. Gronk's not coming through that door. At least, Rick, I don't think he is. You know, uh, no, December. December. No, nothing in this world shocks me in, anymore. But I don't think Gronk's coming through that door. And I don't know if Julio Jones is ever coming through the door again. I'll tell you what, after the game... Uh, you know, Jones was inactive today. I guess he was a game day decision. They tried out that knee and he couldn't go. And afterward, Todd Bowles said it's going to be kind of a week to week thing. And ultimately, we'll have to make a decision. Mm. That just that just doesn't sound very reassuring. So who knows if Julio Jones is going to contribute at all? So, yes, aside from Evans, Godwin, Fournette, some of these guys are going to have to get involved out of necessity. And I thought Kate Otten was kind of a sleeper coming out of the draft just on the homework I did he got hurt his final year at Washington so he wasn't able to put up the numbers that he had in previous seasons which may have hurt his draft status a little bit but I just heard raves about the guy about his football knowledge and his toughness and you know his 
his ability to do many things as a tight end, and now it's starting to come to fruition here a little bit. I, I think he needs to progress as a blocker. I think Bowles kind of alluded to that afterward, but six catches on seven targets. Again, a guy just gradually getting Tom Brady's trust, and some of these other guys are going to have to as well because, you know, I just – Unless OBJ comes through the door, and he just might. That one yeah. might happen. But I don't think Julio's maybe long for this roster, sad as it is to say. And, you know, I, I just don't think Gronk is either. So some of these younger, young, younger guys are going to have to step up. Well, and with Julio, I mean, they, we've, we've seen reports that he might have, uh, you know, a partially torn PCL. Whatever's going on with his knee, he's unable to practice for the most part. He certainly hasn't played. This has been his thing the last two years, really, his final year in Atlanta, last year in Tennessee. Um, it's one thing you can't make it to Sunday, but if you can't make it to Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, that's bad too. Uh, but I think at this point, they're going to have to shut him down at least for several weeks and, and see that if, if, in fact, they can get him back on the field as healthy as possible and then go from there. And maybe they need his roster spot down the road and he'll have to go on IR. I really don't know because I don't know – we, we don't know the details of anybody's injury. Uh, even Ryan Jensen's, we're not sure what happened to him, and he's been on IR as well. Um, so you really don't know. Here's the thing that, uh, that was a little distressing, I think. Now, there was a 1 o'clock game. It was hot, all that stuff, right? They've been playing at night and, and, and so on and so forth. But you're at home. You've lost two games at home. Um, the defense put up a bagel in the first half. Good for them, Right. They kept them out of the end zone. They kept them off the board. They missed, I think, a 51-yard field goal. There was a sequence there at the end of the first half where they miss a field goal. Bucks get the ball back, get in field goal range. Ryan Suckup hits one. It's a six-point swing, and they win by six. So that was not insignificant at the end of the first half. Having said that, um, look, you look at the stat sheet, and they've given up 151 rushing yards again. Now, it's a little different because you have a quarterback who can absolutely fly. He's, he's, he's a threat every time he has the ball with the spread option in Marcus Mariota, and he ran for 61 of those yards. So, okay, so you held the other guys to 90-something. All right, not that good. But this is all the Falcons can do. They are not a pass first, second, only third down team. 147 yards passing for Marcus Mariota, just 14 completions and a touchdown. But you let them come back in the game. Um, and, and part of that had to do with the offense, not making first downs, keeping the defense on the field. But I haven't seen a killer instinct in this defense. Look, they're supposed to beat the Atlanta Falcons more handily than this. And I know you don't get style points, and I know it irritates Todd Bowles when you mention, yeah, but you let your, you know, yeah, but they came back. Yeah, but you feel fortunate. And he's never going to apologize for a win. But they're not playing as the dominant defense that we saw early in this season. Yeah, and I really can't put my finger on it, Rick. I don't know if you can. Uh, we know Vita Vea hasn't had the greatest of seasons to this point. He had a sack today. Um, but it, it's, just, it's just baffling because this is what this team has always hung its hat on, just being able to stop the run and then, you know, pin it, pinning its ears back on the second level. Um, the second half certainly didn't do them any favors going forward. Three def- defensive backs went out, Mike Edwards, Carlton Davis, and yeah, Sean Murphy Bunning. And I think Davis with his hip and Murphy Bunning with his quad could, could miss some time. But I, I just don't, I don't have an explanation for, you know, 
why they're why they've struggled against the run the last two games. Now today the Falcons they're not your conventional run team. They do all kinds of different things, whether it's option and pitching. And you talked about Mariota and his ability to do things with design runs and draws that have given a lot of teams problems to this point. But that doesn't explain the way they were unable to shut down the the Chiefs last week, who I think gained 189 rushing yards. I I just don't have an answer for it. The only bright spot from this, Rick, um, concerning the defensive front, is kind of the emergence of Deidre Sanat, the former USF strongman. Today was personal for him. He uh, he tore his pectoral muscle with the Falcons uh, last year, and they waived him. They waived him in August. They were the team that drafted him in the third round in 2018, and they waived him. And that, that hurt him. He said today that that hurt him, and today was personal for him. So, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, for me to get a sack against the team that released me when I was down at my lowest, it, it was very special to me today. And, it, you know, if nothing else, he's providing them some quality reps in that nose tackle rotation with Nunez, Roches, and Vea. So he's been kind of a bright spot. But otherwise, I, I just can't put my finger on why they've struggled to stop the run. Maybe you can. I don't, I don't really know. I just think that today – um, the Falcons do so many different things in the run game, and I, I, I think discipline is, is one of those things. I didn't see him miss a lot of tackles uh, up front, uh, especially inside. You know, Vita Vea is not playing uh, next to really Akeem Hicks, or obviously Indomitian Sue is gone. You've got Logan Hall, who does some nice things in the pass rush game, but not necessarily against the run. Uh, so, listen, they, they should be playing the run better than they are. They've, 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 had a couple teams in a row now run the ball on them. I think the the Falcons, Mariota kind of skews the stats a little bit. Um, but you shouldn't let a team come back when all they can do is run. That that should be easy duty for you. And what receivers did Marcus Mariota have today? I mean, when you look at this game and you go, look, no Cordell Patterson, um, no uh, – who's the tight end from Florida? Um, Kyle, Pitts. Kyle Pitts. So your best two offensive players, you say, hey – Let's play the Falcons, but we're going to take their best two players off the field. Those would have been the two you would have chosen. So he's throwing to Felipe Franks, the quarterback from Florida. That's that's the guy he's going down the field with early on. Uh, they just, you know, other than London Drake, um, they don't have anybody. Yeah. I, it, it, it's crazy. Uh, and, again, let's not take anything away from what the Falcons like to do in the run game because they they made – they made the decision in the offseason to kind of reinvent themselves. And they have been very creative. Credit to Arthur Smith for, for what he's done because everybody in the stadium knows what they're going to try to do. And so far, they still had success with it nonetheless. But, um, yeah, I just I don't know if, if the Bucks are missing Hicks that much or Sue that much to where, you know, they, they don't have a solid compliment for Vita and that's affecting him. I, I just don't have an answer for it. But, yeah, this um, (laughs) – the Falcons were still able to amass 151 rushing yards on 31 carries. That's almost five yards a carry with a totally anonymous receiving core, no threats. And, yes, they went downfield twice to Felipe Franks, the tight end, the former Gators quarterback. Unbelievable. And I know it's Drake London. I said London Drake. Excuse me for that. Uh, We clean up our mistakes here when we catch them. So – all right, uh, listen, here's where they're at. It's a three-and-two football team. Oh, guess what? They have sole possession of first place in the NFC South at three-and-two. 
they finally won their first game at home. They're going to go on the road against two teams that aren't going very well right now, albeit they're going to be road games, at Pittsburgh, at Carolina. As we do this podcast, Carolina might need a new head coach by the time we, we see them. Uh, Matt Rule is not getting it done. And there's talk up there that their ownership is very uh, dissatisfied with it. Of course, they made the trade for Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, there's a lot going on there. And, and yet, you know, it, it doesn't seem as if um, they're going to turn it around anytime soon. But this was a big game because it was a division game. Still a lot of work to do. Finally, thank God they have Mike Evans because the best player on the field today was number 13. That's two weeks in a row. He has carried this offense, and not because of the volume of catches, but when he makes them and the type of catches he makes. The 25-yard pass, uh, which was the first big play to Mike Evans, he fully lays out for it. That sets up a touchdown. Uh, That was a huge play. And then he has a 40-yard reception that looked for all the world, went to replay that it was a touchdown. Uh, They ruled that he was out of bounds before he extended the ball over uh, the pylon. And, and it, it leads to a one-yard touchdown pass to Leonard Fournette. If Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are on the field together and anybody else wants to step up, Russell Gage, Scotty Miller, who probably had a pass interference that wasn't called on him in a deep throw, um, they have a chance if they can protect Tom Brady. That's still their offense. Right. And, Rick, these 50-something-year-old eyes don't deceive me very much. When I watch Evans, I'm looking at a Hall of Famer. Those were two Hall of Fame-style catches today, and I did think he crossed the pylon. But that first one where he just, you know, sacrificed his body, dove out, probably knocked the wind out from under him, that, that's a Hall of Fame-caliber catch. And he, he's, you know, he's back to full form. And, you know, on that note, Godwin, I, I don't think he got shaken up today. Maybe, you know, he's probably a little bruised and dinged up like they all are five games into the season. But he, he caught all six of the passes thrown his way for 61 yards. So... That tandem, who you wrote about in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times, you know, going back to doing what the Bucks do best, and they're able to do what they do best when those two are on the field. Those two are in tandem again. So, you know, anytime you've got those two on the field doing their thing, there's hope for this franchise. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Absolutely. Okay, we'll wrap it up on a couple of notes here. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are eliminated. Their season is over. I watched, I think, all what would have been 24 innings or so uh, and saw exactly one run from, from the Rays. Only saw three from the Cleveland Guardians. That said, that was one of the worst exhibitions of hitting I think I've watched. It wasn't just that Cleveland's pitching, which is good, uh, was, was overpowering. At times, their starters were. But when you got into their bullpen, I thought the Rays got themselves out more than Cleveland did. No question. Uh, the, the Wander Franco wandering between first and second in that critical extra inning that, uh, you know, could have been a difference maker. Um, but, yeah, I'm like you, Rick. You know, I, I watched it. Uh, you know, I said there's a, uh, there's a lot of 
good college football on on Saturday, but I couldn't take my eyes off the Rays. This was a do-or-die game, and it got monotonous. I was like, somebody score a run, because this is just getting really monotonous. But, you know, it it is who the Rays are. They built their franchise on keeping the other team from scoring runs at the expense of of quality hitting, and we kind of saw that philosophy bite them, even though some of those guys have hit, you know, at times this season, uh, the bats went silent, especially at the top of that batting order. And for a franchise like that, that's just, that's lethal. They got cold at the wrong time. Uh, We watched some college football. I thought your USF Bulls that you covered all those years um, were going to push through and win at Cincinnati. They had, what, a a three or four point lead in the fourth quarter, I want to say. And then they gave up the ghost at the end. At some point, moral victories are not going to count, but you sure feel better about the effort. And they had 14 guys, I think, that were starters that weren't on the trip because of various injuries and things. So arrow up, right? But the wins have to come sooner than later. It, it was it was encouraging, especially when you consider how, how banged up they are. And that shouldn't be an excuse Um you know, it is what it is. We, we can we can deliberate about whether that's a valid excuse. But the fact of the matter is, it's clear this team hasn't quit on Jeff Scott. And I suppose that has to count for something. It was an inspired effort at a very tough place to play um, against a, a really good Cincinnati team that hasn't dropped off all that much from last season. But again, we, we've talked about this before, Rick. The key is you got to build on it. You can't come here next week against Tulane and, and lay an egg or it's all for naught, you know. And I don't care how banged up they are or how badly their schedule was affected by the hurricane, which it was. No, none of those excuses can explain 41-7 to at halftime against East Carolina. There's no, there's no explanation for that. But again, credit to the Bulls. They bounced back. They looked like they had a good offensive game plan. Gary Bohannon had probably his best game as a bull, but now you got to build on it. Presumably they'll be healthier next week when Tulane comes to town. So the arrow should be trending upward, but we'll see, Rick. We don't know. Uh, we'll have lots to talk about this week, uh, not just the USF Bulls college football, obviously the end of the race season. Also, and this is something to uh, to look at today, Ian Cole, the lightning uh Lightning's newest, one of their newest players, is suspended pending results of an investigation. We'll have more on that with Ed and Cena tomorrow. Uh, there was apparently some uh, sexual assault uh, uh, accusation levied against him, so he now is uh, suspended pending uh, investigations, pending the results of that investigation that's upcoming. So more on that tomorrow with Ed and Cena. And just a reminder, uh, if your uh, energy bill, your electric bill is going up, we got a solution for you. It's May Electric Solar. Family-owned business. They've been doing this for 12 years in the area. they got a showroom in Hudson. Displays all their products. You get on-site testing. They don't use subcontractors. You know who's doing the job. You can start saving today. Call the solar energy experts. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, our producer and my co-host, and also Joey Knight here at Raymond James Stadium where the Bucks have won 21-15 over the Atlanta Falcons to go to 3-2 and two in first place in the NFC South. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.